Hey everyone, and welcome back to another Now What Wednesday. I'm your host, Jessica Stevens. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, I'm so excited for our very first guest of season two. It is the lovely Asha Davis, and she is sharing a really unique story that, while unique to her, I think is going to really resonate with a lot of people who are listening today, especially as, you know, it's January, it's it's the new year. Um, Some of us are starting to go back into the office and either do hybrid or are fully back at work. And her story is really talking about who we are and how we show up in that space and what we share with our colleagues and our coworkers about us and our true self. And uh, it really made me think back to the time when I worked in an office full time and who I was then and how I showed up and how I interacted with people and what that felt like versus who I am now and how I show up and interact with people after doing, you know, quite a bit of work. Um, Asha, also somebody who's who's done a lot of work on herself as well, and just shares this experience with all of us and really opens up this concept of, you know, being your true self at work. And uh, what does that mean? And what does that look like for different people? So I'm so excited about this conversation. Um, she shares so many amazing insights and, and nuggets that I hope really help you all think about you know yourselves and how you show up around the people you work with every day and what toll that's taking on you and your mental health. So without further ado, let me introduce the lovely Asha Davis. She is an integrated strategy director at a top Tier New York ad agency. She also co-hosts and produces the Disruptor series podcast, which I highly recommend you check out. She is Canadian born, but New York based. Asha has over a decade of experience in the advertising industry that has helped top tier brands, including Dove and Huggies and Nissan, connect the dots across their communication and organizations to create award winning campaigns. In addition to being an accomplished marketer, Asha is also a very talented stand-up comedian and writer and has performed at some of the most famous clubs in New York. So without further ado, let's get to the now what. Have you ever had a situation happen in your life that you weren't expecting, good or bad, and said to yourself or out loud, oh my gosh, I just fill in the blank, now what? Me too, friend. Me too. I've had quite a few actually, and in the moment, I never knew what I was going to do next. Of course, I had to figure it out, sometimes the hard way, but I did figure it out. So join me and some amazing guests this season as we all share our own I just blank now what stories so we can all learn from their transformational lessons to help us all answer that lifelong and often paralyzing question, now what? Well, hello, Ms. Asha Davis. Hi, how are you? I'm really good. Thanks for joining me today, all the way from NYC. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a sunny day over here. I hear it's not the same in Toronto today, but... Uh... <laughs> okay, it's okay, it's okay. Yeah, it's really fun to have more and more guests come on the show who are outside of Canada. I have a couple of US guests, some international people are coming up in a little while. So season two is definitely going to be very diverse in, yeah. in all the guests we got, especially from geography. So thank you. You're one of our first guests for the second season. And it's really going to be some 
honest, truthful conversations this season. And I'm so excited to talk to you about your topic today, which, you know, I think is so important for people to think about and hear from other people. Because when you say, you know, I, you know, showed up as my true self at work for the first time, now what? Some people might be questioning, like, what does that mean? Like, were they showing up fake? Like, what does that mean exactly? So would love to hear you unpack that. But before we do, like, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about you? Like, who is the real Asha Davis? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm kind of a a hybrid guest for season two, because I was born in a little place called Canada. out to New York back in 2016. I work in the advertising industry, have been in this business for uh, over a decade now. Started in Toronto and and moved over to New York, you know, the Ogilvies and and TVWAs and and big agencies, mid-agencies of the world. In my previous life, I used to be a music artist, you know, so we'll talk a little bit about that and how that uh, manifests in my life. Um, And since I moved to New York, I actually picked up a lifelong dream of mine, which was to do stand up comedy. So lots of stuff keeping me busy these days. (laughs) The many faces of Asha Davis. (laughs) I love it. Yes, I love to hear like, these cool backstories of what people do outside of the office. Like, you know, you and I worked in the same office in Toronto at Ogilvy. We didn't really know each other. I knew of you, but we actually never worked together. And then for me to hear like, oh yeah, like Ash is into music and she does like, I'm like, I'm sorry, what now? (laughs) So I guess that's part of this conversation that we're going to have today is like, showing up as your true self at work versus hiding parts of who you who you are. So why don't you rewind us, take us back to when you actually felt the confidence of showing up as the real Asha Davis at work? And what did that mean for you? And what did that look like? Well, it's interesting, because I like to frame it as confidence, because that sounds cooler. But you know, in reality, I I got burnt out to be completely transparent, you know, and I I know that um, this was a while ago before, you know, what we're hearing right now that the impacts of COVID and and how people are sort of taking stock of your life of their lives, you know, this was at a time where it was really taboo to even say that or, or think that and I actually went to therapy, you know, another thing that people don't really talk about or didn't used to. Um, And essentially through those sessions, I learned that part of the reason that I was so burnt out was because I was pretending to be different people depending on where I was. And and I was at work the vast majority of the time. You know, Uh, as you know, Jessica, the advertising industry can be pretty grueling, especially when you're early in your career and trying to, you know, earn your seat at the table, so to speak. And being a woman of color. Exactly. Add some other layers on to that. Exactly. Right? This is an onion that, you know, but we're going to bloom. It's a blooming onion. You know? yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so essentially going through that experience and understanding, you know, the reason behind why I was feeling this way, basically it was out of necessity, essentially. And it's, it's interesting because even when we talk about bringing my true self to work, it's a little bit different even than bringing my full self to work work, right? Because 
the way that I am with my best friends and and we're having a great time and and we're out for the night is obviously not going to be exactly who I am at work and nor should it be. Right. But the notion of trying to speak a certain way or act a certain way or hide certain aspects of myself, you know, for example, I used to be really scared to tell people that I I used to be a, a music artist because I thought it might diminish my intelligence. I used to rap. And so it's like, these things that I was into, even talking about the shows that I watch, you know, it was very top of mind of how is what am I saying? How is who I really am when I leave this office going to uh, how, how can I hide as much of that as possible in order to basically assimilate here? And, and so and I guess protect your reputation. Exactly, exactly. And and it's like when you start to unpack that and you really step aside and sometimes it takes someone like a therapist or a trained individual to really help you realize why are you that scared? You know, why do you really think that that's going to happen? And even if it did, like if you brought your true self to work and got fired, you probably shouldn't have been working there in the first place, right? And so going through these epiphanies and and understanding, you know, what I was doing both consciously and subconsciously really helped. And so essentially, I just kind of started cold turkey one day through having conversations with folks, you'd be in meetings, you know, you know, as well as I know, small talk and banter in the elevator and, and things like that. And it just kind of started with these small things that seem innocuous, but to me, I was consciously doing it. And surprisingly, regardless of who I'm speaking to, people could relate, right? And it was really interesting to see, like it it started when I was at Ogilvy in Toronto. And obviously at Ogilvy in Toronto, a number of years ago, there wasn't that many people of color. And so sometimes you think, oh, I can, exactly, she's counting on her hand for the listeners. And so, you know, at that time, it's like sometimes you think, oh, I can only talk about certain things with certain types of people and I have I different exactly. experiences. Yeah. You know, I'm from Canada and hockey is not my favorite sport, you know, so it's like a certain thing. And um, when I started talking and being more of myself and using my real voice and even small things like little slang that, that I would use when I um, just in being comfortable, you know, people could relate. And all of a sudden, because I kind of had this reputation of being really buttoned up and always on my stuff, you know, like I I was really, you know, go, go, go and, and really about business. And when I could combine my business mind with my true self, it actually made me better. And it actually helped me to develop more real and authentic relationships with folks at work that people were actually my friends, not just people that I I worked with, you know, and that was really, you know, enlightening to me, it really, really made me realize why was I pretending for so long, this was, I could have been doing this the whole time, you know, (laughs) Let's answer that question. Why were you pretending? You know, it's interesting because obviously, as I said, part of the reason was because I was trying to overcompensate, right? So some people, you know, there's a there's a school of thought now around thinking that you're not good enough. And 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 that was something where it was like imposter syndrome for me, right? And so it's like, I don't know, I'm really one of the only people here that looks like me. Do I even deserve to be here? Let me just 
be like everybody else, you know? Um, so that was part of it. But I think the other part of it, and, and this is something that perhaps may be uh, really unique to people of color. Um, I can only speak for, you know, Black folks, but I'm sure it permeates other uh, cultures is your family and what you're told is professional, right? And so your family actually encourages you to act a certain way when you are in a professional environment, right? And they train you like that, you know, whether it's conscious or subconscious, like you're always, when you're going certain places, you got to dress a certain way, you got to act a certain way, you got to, you know, and it's, it's very interesting because if you're going around people that look like you, you don't got to do that. None of that home training is, is necessary, you know? It's so interesting that you say that because I also have had that home training, right? So everyone who finds out that I'm Jamaican, the first thing they say is like, you don't sound Jamaican. Right. <laughs> and I tell them, you know, it was really reinforced to us as kids to speak proper English right. because we were gonna already have enough hurdles ahead of us having people not understand you you don't want to add that on. So everyone's shocked. They're like, you don't sound Jamaican. I'm like, well, first off, what does a Jamaican sound like? Right. But like, I would consciously be very articulate in a very Canadian accent at work. Whereas when I'm with my family and with my friends, a whole different tone of my voice comes out. So right. I completely, and that was just because of my parents and my dad, you know, telling us like, speak properly. Yeah. And it's like properly, like even now you can't, that's not appropriate to say, right? Like speak prop, what does that mean, right? And and so I, I totally, I, I exactly, I totally hear you. And it's like, the other nuance is like, I'm half Pakistani. I don't look Pakistani, right? My name, Asha, is a Pakistani name, right? And it's so interesting even that nuance, like I know what it's like to pretty much, you know, you get in a cab and the cab driver's like, oh, your name's Asha. You know, do you know what that means? Do you, you know, and it's like, oh, you're what? You know, and, and it's this whole thing. And it's so it kind of goes both ways, but it's just really interesting how across different cultures you have such things in common. And, and again, these are things that, you know, if you grew up in a white household, I mean, you're probably completely ob oblivious to, right? Yeah, because that's why I was saying at the beginning of this call, like some people are listening to this and being like, what? Like, what do you mean? Because it's not even something that has entered their realm of why would anyone need to do that? Right. Okay, so you've decided to drip the real Asha on people in the office, in the, in the hallways, in, the in, in elevators, and you're pleasantly surprised of the reaction to yeah. who you are. Now what? You know, it's it's crazy because it made me better at my job because we have the privilege to work in a field where bringing your true self to work can help you come up with ideas, right? Especially when you work in an environment where there's not that many people that look like you, but people that look like you are the target audience, right? And so... It's like, and even when trying to target folks that don't look like me, people that have similar personalities, similar interests, like a lot of the times in, in the advertising industry, and I do think, you know, now living in the US for five years, I, I do think that Canada was a little bit behind, you know, in terms of 
you know, diversity and, and diversity of thought even, mm-hmm. right? And so even when you looked at creative departments when I was there, you know, it's just a bunch of white dudes and a few white women, you know, and uh, a lot of times they grew up in similar ways and they have similar interests. And so the ideas tend to be very similar, even though, you know, very good. A lot of the times it's just a lot of stuff is blending in, you know, and, and it's kind of this is how we always do things. Right. Which is crazy to think, considering how multicultural Toronto is as a city and multicultural Canada is as a country. Right. The people who are writing the things and making the pictures were all still from this homogenous group of people. Right. And, And I mean, part of that is a lot of folks from multicultural backgrounds don't even know what advertising as a job is. You know, I think that some of our colleges have gotten a little bit better, but it's like, I, I only knew that advertising was a job. Honestly, how I found this out was my uncle, Wells, works in advertising. He was one of the only Black strategy people. And I looked up to him as somebody that was like, wow, you can like wear that to work. Like he's wearing jeans and he looks so cool, you know? And I was doing music and I was like, my dad really wanted me to go into finance. He's a finance guy. And I was like, dad, I, I like how uncle wells is living you know yeah. and that was, was like more of like fun to me <laughs> more that lifestyle looks more like fun to me like even more of like the clothes you can wear to work like you don't have to wear a pencil yeah. skirt and, and a suit to work every day right and i only found out because of i was doing music i was going to school but i genuinely believed i was going to be a famous artist like i that was having a day job and a career was not something that i thought was going to happen in my you know late teens early 20s right and so when it was kind of like i was going to the record labels and it was like i realized yo this is not really a lifestyle i really want to live either you know because I'm still kind of a nerd industry, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, I was like the things they were asking me to do. And I was like, I can't do that. So I was like, well, what type of job would I like? And my dad and my uncle had had a conversation and they're like, what about marketing? What about advertising? And that, and my uncle explained to me what it was. And then I was like, oh, this is cool. So it's not even, and I was a pretty smart person. I was getting great, great grades in school and I had no clue that this was a a field, you know? And so I do think that educating more people, and and obviously I'm seeing that improve over time, is one of the ways that we could get more multiculturalism. But going back to your your original, you know, point around who's in the room, you know, at, at that time, at the same time, regardless, as you mentioned, Canada, Toronto specifically, is a very multicultural place. And so whether you're selling paper towels or face wash or shampoo, you know, you should probably have voices in the room that are from that multicultural background. And so I think that bringing my, you know, true self and and through kind of breaking the ice, so to speak, through banter and and cracking jokes, you know, well before I was actually doing stand-up comedy for real, I was cracking jokes in the office. People used to say you could hear me laugh from like way down the hall and I would have a great time. And from doing that, I felt more confident to speak up in creative meetings. And, you know, when we're writing a brief, you know, as strategy, you have a lot of power to influence things, right? So as strategy, I was able to put little nuances in the brief and kind of Easter egg, if you will, things in the, in the brief so that it's, 
feels like it's coming from multiple different perspectives, you know, and that helped to get to richer ideas, right? I think the other thing was, uh, you know, you mentioned that you're a Jamaican, Jessica, so am I, you know, <laughs> and uh, one of the stereotypes that I actually don't mind of Jamaicans is that we have a lot of jobs. <laughs> Jamaicans have a lot of jobs. You know? I'm living that right now as a multi- <laughs> multi-passionate entrepreneur. I have a lot of different hats. There, a lot sure. of different yeah. jobs, you know, and we're also very scrappy, right? That, you know, in order to have all these jobs, a lot of times you're making up your job and whatever, right? And so I applied that Jamaican sort of scrappiness to my job as well. And so while at Ogilvy Toronto, I had a great idea of, you know, what if we just like started our own division that just makes content and we made our social stuff like move faster. Like we have cameras, we have editors, we have talented people. If we see something on Twitter, why can't we just go out and shoot it and create content fast? Why can't we pitch clients that we can shoot stuff that's cool in-house, you know? And it was sounding crazy because I mean, you're, you're usually spending a few hundred thousand on any shoot to then say, okay, we can make stuff for 20 grand. You know what I mean? And I went to, you know, leadership and I just was like, I got an idea. I got an idea, but I, you know, I had it together and I, you know, in true Jamaican fact, I had my, I had my stuff together, you know? And I was like, I'll run it. I was like, I'll take on the extra work. I understand we can't hire somebody yet. I'll do it. And you know what? They were like, okay, cool. If you're going to do it, then, then we can do it. And all of a sudden we started winning business because of this. Right. And these are things like, wow, if I wasn't, brave enough to speak up if I didn't, you know, feel like, you know what, this could be a hustle, you know, then, then, you know, and and those are things that, you know, if I was trying to be like everybody else, I, I, I wouldn't have been able to do that. That's not your role, Asha. Exactly. Your role is to write these things. You're, you're come up with these kind of ideas, not those kind of ideas. Right, right. And I think, you know, to be fair, in a place like Toronto, and in offices that are a bit smaller, it is a bit easier to be that scrappy, you know, Mm -hmm. and I do think, you know, at the time that I was at Ogilvy Toronto, the leadership was, you know, phenomenal, all the way at the highest levels to, you know, my my direct bosses, they were always very open to very open, all the ideas, very open. Yeah, you know, and I've learned since moving to the US, you know, the budgets, you know, you learn very quickly that in Canada, the budget's about 10% of what the budget is in the US. And so what that does is it makes global teams, especially US teams, much more risk averse. So it's like, oh, if we're going to try something new, we'll try it in Canada first and see if it works, spend a couple of dollars before we do it in the US. And so sometimes that attitude of being scrappy and like, hey, let's do it. They'd be like, yeah, stay, know your role, buddy. But <laughs> hold your horses, hold your you horses. Yeah, I think where you are in the office size has a lot to do with it because yeah. being in New York at one of those massive agencies, you know, you're walking in, in there, you you maybe know 15, 20% of the staff, yeah. right? Normally only on your floor yeah. <laughs> or in the department that you work in and a couple of others. So you being able to have access to you know, certain leaders, not always possible because they actually have no idea who you are. Right. And I think that that's also, you know, everybody has to go through what they need to go through in their career and and in their broader life. Right. And I think, you know, going back to bringing your true self to work or showing up as your true self, really wherever you are, right. Also helps you to define 
what's right for you. It also helps you to define what your boundaries are, right? And so for me, now I know being in an environment where I'm, you know, one of X thousand and a place where in order to get to leadership, you got to go through a bunch of glass doors and security that may not necessarily be what's right for me. And so I'm grateful for the times and my experience that I've had, but I, I do think, you know, I would want to be, and, and what allows me to be my true self, particularly at work, which is where we spend a, a great deal of our time would be somewhere that can nurture and nurture who I really am. Love it. Okay. So in addition to getting to better work when you showed up as, you know, your true self, what other positive things have come from you taking the stand and saying, this is who I am? Um, true friendships. You know, I've left Toronto five years ago and yet I can still call up folks and have great conversations. You know, I can call in a favor. I had a situation where I had to get a new visa when I moved from Ogilvy to uh, TBWA. And I needed, in order for the visa that I'm currently on or that I, the new one, I had to get 15 letters of recommendation from <laughs> senior people. Uh, all senior people. And so I was able to call up, you know, our chief creative officers, our CEO, our, you know, people that, you know, I hadn't talked to in a couple of years at that point. And they all were open and happy. And part of this is because of that relationship we were able to cultivate because of jokes and having a great time together. And just, you know, if I was pretending all the time, I feel like at some point that might've showed, you know? Yeah. And you wouldn't have necessarily been invited to some of the, to sit at some of those tables right? to be able to build and foster those relationships. Right. Exactly. Awesome. Okay. So better work relationships. What else is an outcome of you showing up as your true self? Definitely probably the most important thing I think is understanding the path that I want to take moving forward. Again, when you know who you are and are confident, brave, or just do it out of necessity in order to mitigate. You're fully doing it anyways. Exactly. It's like smile, even then, then eventually it'll be a smile, you know, um, it, it definitely helps you to understand not only your path, but to find your peace. Right. I think especially through going through what we've been through with, with the pandemic and coming out of the other side of it, it's more important than ever to protect your peace. And I think one of the things that I've read recently that really resonated with me was your job is not your identity. And when you work in a field like advertising, where to a lot of people, it is a badge of honor. It's a job where you actually get to see the things you make out in the real world, commercials, billboards, you know, content activations, right? And people are like, wow, you made that? That's cool, right? It is very easy to understand how you can become defined by that career, especially in a family from a multicultural background where a lot of times you might be, you know, one of the only folks in your generation that is 
at a certain level from a career standpoint, right? Which again, is something that may not necessarily impact everyone else like that, right? I think disproportionately that's that's something that that impacts people of color. And so when you're in a field, you know, even when your parents brag about you or your family talks about you, the first thing they say is something about your job, right? And so it's kind of like you have to consciously accept the fact that I am more than where I work or what I do, right? And even, you know, when you work somewhere prestigious, Ogilvy is a very prestigious place to work. TBWA is a very, you know, prestigious place to work. They created Apple, (laughs) the brand, you know? And so I think that when you work at these places that have a legacy that precedes you by by miles, there's a tendency to be like, I'm Asha and I met Ogilvy and I made this commercial and I did this and I did that. And that can lead to dark places if you're not being your true self. And so when you make a conscious effort to be your true self at work, all of a sudden it's about you. It's not about the job. And that is something that's really important. At the end of the day, no matter where you work, no matter how awesome your company is, and there's a lot of awesome companies out there, no one's going to care about you as much as you. And if you are not your number one fan, there's no hope. Yeah, totally resonate with so much of that because in an industry like ours of advertising, it, tangible physical things out there in the world that people see and can comment on are those little hits of dopamine that we all yeah. like, oh, we won an award, it was acknowledged, yes. like I worked on this, your friends and your family can see the things that you did on TV, like very few people can have their work be a physical byproduct that other right. people can comment on, right? Right, right. Uh, so yeah, I, I definitely resonate with you know us wearing that badge of honor uh, of being in the industry and and what we the blood, sweat, and tears we go through to to make that content. Yeah, is, right. Because yeah. we put so much into it. We're like, oh, that is mine. Like I own that. That is that is part of me, right? So yeah, I, I absolutely resonate with that. So. And being your own hero, being your own cheerleader, being your own, you know, cheer squad, because as you move, you know, from maybe a department to another department or one account to another or even to a new agency, like you're as good as your next project. Exactly. And it's, you know, and something that something that really impacted me mentally as well was the longer that you're in the industry, obviously, the more you see. That's clear. But some of the things that you see are not always positive. And sometimes, you know, there are things that people don't really talk about. And so something that impacted me was seeing layoffs. And I saw that a few different times throughout my career, right? Where, you know, especially with some of these bigger agencies, sometimes people are there for 10, 20 years, right? Even more. And seeing what happens in that layoff time, season, season, right? Really messed me up the first time that I saw it, you know, because I'm a person that, you know, pretty much everywhere I've ever worked. I know a lot of people from the mailroom, like across a whole bunch of departments. I know them and they know important people, right? right? It's not, yeah, it's not just, you know, C-suite. Like I, I was great friends with the folks in the mailroom and and everywhere, you know? Yeah. Seeing 
how people could work somewhere for 10, 15, 20 years and layoff season, as you put it, could happen. And then all of a sudden, there's no email, there's no card, there's no party, there's no goodbye. It's just all of a sudden, you just don't see them in the office anymore. And when somebody who's been working there for a year, two years, whatever, decides to quit and go work at a competitor or go work somewhere else, there's drinks, there's cards, there's parties, there's all these things. And, you know, the first time I saw that, I really, it really impacted me. You know, it, it really sent me to a dark place because it really made me feel like if I'm putting my heart and soul into this and I'm actually enduring mental uh, stress because of how much I'm putting into my job and that could just happen at any time. What is the point, right? And you have to find some sort of balance, obviously, but I think the first time I saw that is the first time that I really realized I got to make this about me. And, and this is not just about, you know, because at the end of the day, even if you get hit by a bus, they'll find somebody else to do your job. And so you need to be your number one fan and you need to focus on, you know, what is going to protect your peace, as I said, in order to, you know, be the best you that you could be. Absolutely. Yeah, I thinking back to how we treated people who resigned versus how agencies treat the people who were laid off is night and day. Yeah. And it really should be the reverse. Exactly. Yeah. Those, those are people that chose to be here, right? Yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk about some of the fun stuff of, you know, maybe some of your outside life bleeding into work. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, you were in the in the past in the music industry, a rapper, and now, you know, stand-up comedy. <laughs> talk to us a little bit about how maybe showing up at work in your true self helps you in those other areas and spaces of what you were actually creating, you know, outside of the office walls. Yeah. So, you know, I stopped doing music, obviously, before I got into um, into the industry, but I, I was always a fan. And, you know, being into hip hop music is just a different universe, you know, but hip hop is culture. And so all of a sudden, you're an expert on what's cool to people, because no disrespect, but, you know, the folks that we're marketing to are not listening to Bruce Springsteen, right? And so, and so, you know, all of a sudden, I know what's cool. I can help with talent selections for, you know, campaigns, and I can help with what song would sound cool that would resonate, that people would get right away, and, like, little things like that that I never thought would be useful in a professional career. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with comedy, at first it was, you know, before I ever started doing stand-up, it was something that I always wanted to do. And so just being able to not only use humor as a way to build relationships uh, at work, but also, you know, use humor to inspire creatives, right? I think that folks, especially creative folks who I have, you know, a soft spot for because I just really respect how hard their job is. You know, I think if you can use humor in a briefing or in a meeting or find some element that can make them smile, they're probably going to try a little harder and they're probably going to get inspired a little bit more than if it's just, you know, black, white and boring. Right. And I think, you know, from the reverse, you know, I've definitely used situations at work in my stand-up comedy. There's a lot of comedy. Advertising is like... (laughs) 
a gold mine for those things, right? But you know, some of the stuff like I'm very, you know, to to the listeners, folks, you know, hearing this, I'm very PG, you know, so I am any client could come to any of my shows. I'm very, you know, I'm very, I'm, that's just naturally who I am. You know, yeah. I, I am actually just a nerd in real life, but there, there's a lot of stuff that happens that you can't joke about, but you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of funny stuff. So it definitely, it, it definitely helps. Love it. Love it. I, hopefully there's a YouTube video of you doing stand up somewhere that I can find <laughs> I'll send that to you. <laughs> on the internet. Um, okay. So in the spirit of, you know, sharing this story to help inspire others who are listening, what would you say to somebody who is currently in a season of conflict of showing up as their true self at work for their list of fears? So talk to Asha way back, you know, pre-therapy, during therapy of, you know, maybe what to look for or what to think about. Like, what was some of that advice that your therapist gave to you to kind of reflect on? What do you want to share with people? I think, you know, reflect is the key word, right? Because usually when you are in that season of not being your true self, there's something going on with you. You're not the happiest that you could possibly be. You know, there's usually some underlying things that you're feeling that you're trying to sort of get to the bottom of, right? And so one of the things that you need to do is stop and reflect. I think a lot of times we use go, 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 and I don't have time as an excuse to not actually reflect on what's happening. And that's free. You know, therapy is not free, uh, but uh, taking time to stop and reflect is free. And that's some, that's step one, right? And so whether that's taking a couple of days off, whether it's changing what you're doing on your weekends and evenings to not go out all the time and just come home and write in a journal and get what's in your mind onto a page so that you can assess it. I think that that's what you need to do as step one. Step two is, and something that was really helpful for me, one of the the types of therapy I did was cognitive behavioral therapy. It comes with workbooks and, you know, things you can, worksheets and things you can fill out. It feels like there's an end. Traditional therapy feels like you're just supposed to keep going in perpetuity. But CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, is something that is designed to actually help you stop coming, right? Especially and for all those A-type personalities out there. Right, and exactly. So those very, if you're A-type, exactly. And it's like, okay, there's a plan, there's a goal, I can do these worksheets and then I'll be fixed, right? And so, although it's not- Yeah, it's not about fixing, but it's getting you to the point where you can yeah. move forward, right? Yeah. Exactly. But you know, it is what it is. And, and probably if you're in that space of not being your true self, um, particularly at work, you're probably a type A that like needs to understand what is the purpose of this, right? And I think understanding, you know, what treating your life like you would treat work is uh, a very helpful thing that I did. And so whether you're in strategy, account management, creative, think about how organized you are at work. Think about how you would never miss a deadline. Think about if you've gotten a brief or need to write a brief or you have a presentation, think about how serious you take it. No matter how busy you are, no matter how many things you have on your plate, that's going to get done and it's going to be done to the best of your ability. Treat yourself and your mental health and your personal self as just as important as your job. 
any of those assignments that you would have come across your desk, your life assignments should be equal to them. Exactly. And some of them can be as basic as take control of your day, of your free time. And so what does that actually look like? And what am I doing to enhance my quality of life? Some of that is just say no sometimes, you know, and so whether that's saying no at work, saying no to your friends, saying no to your family, that gives you a level of control, just like how when you're at work, if you're overloaded, you would literally say, I can't take on any more projects right now. Make well, sure one that- would hope you do that because there's a lot of yes people at work too, who just pile it on, right? There is, but at, even, even if you're a yes person at some point, yeah. there's going to be a point where you can't do it anymore. Like even at work, like even if you keep saying yes, keep saying yes, at some point, somebody's going to say, yo, buddy, this wasn't done to the best of your ability. And you're going to say, oh, it's because I had too much. Okay. You know what I mean? So at some point that's going to happen. But in your personal life, you keep saying yes to your friend, your family, da, 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 da. A lot of times there's, there's no, no supervisor coming. There's no supervisor. Saying, Asha, this is not exactly work here. Yeah. Exactly. And so I think that if you apply some of your same approach to your job, to your actual life, and make sure that you take time to stop and reflect and understand what's going on with you. Um, and then if if you're if you're so inclined, you know, check out you know, look into therapy and, and see if that's right for you. Um, I think that those can really go a long way to enhancing your quality of life. Love it. I took a workshop, you know, many years ago, you know, you and I are both very much into personal development. So, yeah. and I did this workshop and one of the kind of like the fundamental things that they were teaching or was wanted us to know was you actually show up as your true self when you are playing games. Oh, that's cool. So if you were to put yourself in a situation where you're now you know, like, okay, go, we're gonna go play this game. And these are the instructions. These are like, how you really are is gonna show up fully as you're playing this game. So are you like, I need to know all the rules before we can even start? Like that part of your personality wow. is gonna come front center. Or it's like the competitiveness in you is gonna come shining through once you put it into a playing a, a game framework or do you step back do you let other people take control of the court and you're just kind of oh pass the ball to me but you're really not interested in them passing the ball to you like who you are is how you play games right wow that's interesting what about the people that like hide stuff and cheat are they, is that they are? It says a lot about them right yeah so yeah like you know something that i would suggest if you're feeling a little conflicted about like who, who am I? And like, yeah. am I showing up as my real me? Like, go play some games. Like, That's go cool. have some fun and see what that personality comes forth because that's actually how you really are. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great one. Yeah, which I guess you can like put into like, you know, you being on stage and comedy or skating, like your nature just kind of shines through when you're in those kind of spaces too. So cool. Yeah. All right. Oh my gosh. Well, this has been such a fantastic conversation. I've learned so much about you and your <laughs> true self, but you know what that looked like in terms of peeling back the onion and the process that you went to through to, to get there. Any final words that you want to share with our audience today about this topic and your your story? And now what? Like now you're here. It's been a few years. You've been showing up as you. Now what's next for you? Yeah. You know, I brought my true self to work. Now what? Now I'm happy. 
seriously. Like now I'm at a place in my life that I can't remember being this calm and at peace since I was a little kid, to be honest. And it's all because I actually, I, I had to hit the bottom. I had to get burned out in order to, to get here. And hopefully uh, listening to this for your audience, Jessica can help them not get to that bottom place, you know, identify before they some do of those, this. You know, exactly. Identify some, yeah. Exactly. You know, but I think, you know, I'm now happy. I now know my boundaries. I now know, you know, one of the big impediments to happiness is not knowing what would make you happy. Right. And so a lot of times you hear people saying, you know, I hate my job. Okay. Well, what would you rather be doing? And they can't answer that question. And so being your true self allows you to understand what happiness means for your true self. Um, And so I think that this is a task worth doing and worth investing your time and energy in because, you know, I can say from personal experience that I am exponentially better now than I was when I was not being my true self. Love it. Amazing. Okay. So if anyone wants to follow you, hear more about you, you know, find you at a comedy show, where do you (laughs) hang out on in the social space? Yeah. where, Where can people find you? Right. So uh, follow me on LinkedIn, Asha Davis. Happy to add you. Also on Instagram, Asha Got Jokes. And between those two places, you'll see work stuff, you'll see comedy stuff, you'll see personality stuff. And um, if anybody needs a pep talk or any more tips, just feel free to reach out. Love it. Thank you, Asha, so much for being so generous with your time and your knowledge. Loved it. So guys, if you feel like this conversation resonated with you and you are, you are Asha, like, how many ever years ago right now, do that reflection, take the time and kind of sit this weekend and think about, you know, how, how are you showing up at work? And how are you showing up up in the rest of your life? And, and what's the disconnect there? Or if you know somebody who you think is currently struggling with this identity crisis, share this episode with them. And hopefully it'll help them kind of figure out what their now what next steps are going to be for them. All right, that's it for us and another week. We will be back next week with another amazing episode and another awesome Now What story. Thank you, Asha, so much again, and we'll talk soon. Bye. Thank you for having me. It's been awesome. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it more than I can say. Did you love this episode of I Just Blank Now What? If you did, be sure to subscribe on your fave podcast platform. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. I do love reading them. And if you know somebody who's experiencing this story or something similar, please share this episode with them. It just might help them figure out the answers to their own now what questions. Have you recently had a now what moment and aren't sure what to do? Reach out to me at jessicastevens.ca and submit your story and I'll help you figure out what to do, how to move forward and help you answer now what. See you on the next episode.